Livingstones, I got to say, I'm, uh, I, I'm extremely proud of, of our church. You guys have uh, definitely risen to the occasion, and uh, I, I'm just so thankful just for the blessing you have allowed our church to be to both Monroe and to Riley. 225 teachers and staff have felt your love and your appreciation and your care for them. You guys have made this possible, and I just want to tell you a huge thank you for that. At, at the beginning of our Give 2020 campaign, uh, what, we, what we did is we kind of set a goal, and, and we thought it was an ambitious goal of, of $5,000 that we wanted to try to raise to be a blessing to all the, the 225 teachers and staff at both schools, and, uh, and we are almost there. As of last Sunday, we were um, just under $4,500 that you guys have uh, come forth and, and donated, and, and we just want to tell you such a huge thank you that it, it has been uh, just a treat to be able to go and share uh, with, with the teachers and staff over the last two weeks, and they've been so extremely appreciative of just everything that you guys have allowed us to do, and so I just want to tell you thank you for that. So we are uh, still going to be uh, taking in uh, monetary donations for Give 2020 up until Christmas Eve, so you have still have a few days left to give. So if you have not already done so, I want to encourage you to, uh, to, to pray, to think, to talk as a family about what you can do to help uh, with Give 2020. And, and I, we shared a Facebook page with this earlier in the week as well, and I just wanted to re reiterate it now that any money that comes in above and beyond our goal, we are actually going to be holding on to, and we're going to use that to be a blessing to the teachers and staff a little bit later on in, in the school year. Um, I, before going into ministry, I was a teacher, and so um, I, I remember like the, the doldrums that February brings, like how many of my teachers can, 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 uh, can definitely agree with that, you know, that uh, Christmas break is behind you, like winter has just been dragging on forever, the kids are going stir crazy, you're going stir crazy, and you just can't wait for spring break. And so we, we're, what we want to do is anything that comes in above and beyond uh, our, our goal that we needed to meet our expenses, um, we're going to just do just kind of surprise them when, when they just need a little pick-me-up a little bit later on in the year. So I just want to continue to uh, just praise you and tell you thank you for your generosity. And, and to, uh, again, if you haven't already done so, I want to encourage you to give to our 2020 Give campaign. You guys have done an amazing job. And, and just so just on behalf of our entire staff, our eldership, and, and of both schools, just a huge thank you uh, to what you made possible this year. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just so very proud. Uh, proud of our church. I, I tell you, it's, it's exciting. And, and if, if there's anything I think it, it tells us too is, like our church is willing to, to come together to meet a need. And, and you guys have proven that yet again. So I just want to tell you a huge thank you for that. Um, also just want to say uh, just a huge thank you to everybody who's been participating in Advent 2020 with us as well. That uh, we, you know, a couple weeks ago we delivered the Advent packets to um, all of the, the homes in our uh, uh, on our roster here, and, and I pray that you guys have been continuing to read through the, the scriptures and the devotional parts and discussion questions and, and even doing some of the activities together as a, a family or as individuals as well. Um, I, it's been uh, great for us as a family. We've truly enjoyed it, and uh, I pray that it's been as much of encouragement for you as it has been for us as well. Um, we also do have uh, a Zoom call on both Thursday nights at 7 o'clock and Sunday nights at 5 o'clock as well, just to have a, a discussion just about some of the things that we've been learning and reading about just as we prepare our hearts 
for what this week brings, which is the, the birth of, of our Savior. And so if, if you haven't uh, already done so, I'd encourage you, come join in, be a part of one of those calls. You can tonight at 5 o'clock. Um, we uh, send out Zoom links in both our email and on our church Facebook page, so you can just click on that link and you'll be able to get in and be a part of that conversation as well. And then we've also been having conversations on our Cultivate Facebook page as well. So I just want to thank everybody who has continued to be a part of our Advent festivities. It is hard, it is really difficult to not be here together as, as a whole church body during this time, so we're just trying to do what, the things we can do to be connected and to stay, with, uh, stay up with everybody as well. And then one final thing to share with you this morning uh, also is about our Christmas Eve service. Uh, this coming uh, Wednesday night, Wednesday night? Thursday, Thursday night, excuse me, Thursday night. Not trying to tell you the wrong day. This coming Thursday night, excuse me. Uh, we are going to have our Christmas Eve service broadcast live right here on our Facebook page. So make sure that you set an alarm. Make sure that you are ready for that. It's going to be a great night. We're going to have um, just a, a, lot of, a lot of fun. going to have just a, a short word, some songs we're going to be singing together, and also a, a virtual candlelight service. And, and I hope you've seen our uh, Facebook page, our post that we've had going out about our, our virtual candlelight service that we need your help with. Um, we, what we want you to do is take a video of you and or your family uh, just literally passing the candle from one side of the screen to another. And, and again, um, we're going to have a, a post go up immediately after church today. So you st stay on our Facebook page. You can click on that, see what, we're, what it is that we're looking for. And if you can take that video, it takes literally about four seconds to shoot that video. If you can just shoot that and then send it to us. All that information will be on our Facebook post. And we just want to put together just a, a video of our entire church family just passing the candlelight from one to another. It's going to be a very special moment this Thursday night. So make sure that you, um, on our Facebook page immediately after service, check that out, shoot that video, and send it to us. Um, and they're due by tomorrow so that we can uh, have enough time to put that video together. So, so don't delay, don't wait. Do it this afternoon, right, or, or even right after uh, church is done. Just get you and or your family together. Shoot that video, and it's going to be a, a great time. But make sure you join us on uh, Christmas Eve night at 7 o'clock. It's going to be a very special time, and, uh, and I, I know you're going to be blessed by it as well. So with that, we are going to receive our morning tithes and offerings. Um, we are, uh, you know, giving differently now. Um, if, if you're here in the room, we have... A few in the room that are here with us today, we have the giving boxes at the back of our worship center that you can put your offering in there. You can give your normal tithes and offerings on our, on our website through our LSE app. You can mail, mail them here to the church, but just want to tell you thank you for allowing us to continue doing ministry here in, in South Bend. We are so blessed and thankful for each of you. So with that, let's pray, and then we will get into our message today. It's going to be uh, an encouragement to you, I trust. So Father, thank you. God, for being with us this morning. Thank you, God, for this love, lovely, beautiful Advent season that we are a part of. God, the, the way that as, as we have read through the, these, uh, these Bible readings and these passages, Lord, just seeing uh, how often you, you foreshadowed and prophesied and predicted the things that were going to come at the birth of your Son, and we just want to thank you for that, Lord, and, and just pray that this final week before we get ready to celebrate Christmas on, on Friday... Lord, that you would just prepare our hearts. God, that we would just be ready to receive the, the gift of your Son, Lord. And, and God, that we would just 
honor and worship and, and thank you, God, for all that it is that you've done for us, that you truly are Emmanuel. You are God with us. You stepped down and joined us here in the middle of our mess here on earth so that we could be reconciled and brought back into right relationship with you. And so, God, we just thank you for that and just pray that you would prepare our hearts to hear from you this morning, Lord, throughout this week. God, we just honor you and thank you, God, so much for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I didn't. I forgot to say it earlier, but also, if you have not already done so, make sure you say good morning to your church family and uh, let, let everybody know just a, a Merry Christmas, how grateful you are that uh, they are on here worshiping with you this morning as well. So we are continuing our series this morning that we've been calling An Unexpected Christmas. An Unexpected Christmas. And, and in this series, we've been taking a look at some of the different people that got caught up, unexpectedly caught up in the story of the birth of, of Jesus, that, that none of the people that we're talking to, they didn't have any plans to be a part of this first Christmas, of, of the birth of the Son of God, the birth of the Messiah, and yet they were thrust into a story that God was, was really unfolding, the story of redemption that God was unfolding right in front of them, and even though none of them uh, necessarily like signed up, none of them thought they were going to be a part of this, God chose and picked every single one of them. And, and so in week one, we talked about Mary and Joseph, that this, this very poor couple, they, they were willing to say yes to, to what God wanted for them, that they had plans and dreams about what their life was going to be like, and everything got upended when Mary was told that she was going to be carrying the Son of God. And, and really, all that went along with that, the, the ridicule and the judgment and the heartache that would accompany the task of, of not just giving birth, but raising the Son of God. And then last week, we talked about somebody who's actually not even mentioned in Scripture. We don't even have uh, this, this individual's name, but the innkeeper, the one who, who told Mary and Joseph that there was no room for them at the inn. And, and uh, as a result, Jesus was born in a, in a barn or a cave or, or a stable. And, and, and really, as imperfect as it was, that the innkeeper offered what little it was that he had, and that God used it for his glory, that it actually was the perfect place for Jesus to be born. Now, before we get to our unexpected uh, Christmas character this morning, I, I don't know how many of you are like me, but there's something that happens every year around this time of year that I always really enjoy. And, and it's, you know, all, media, outfit, media outlets typically will start to put together like kind of like a year in, in review where they'll kind of put together like stories that maybe you had forgotten actually happened in this year, and you can kind of watch or scroll through some of these things that happened earlier in the year that we've long since forgotten. And, you know, there's lists of, you know, celebrities and politicians and athletes who have passed away, and, and I, I don't know, I, I enjoy kind of like reading through some of those. Like, like I totally wasn't even thinking with all that's gone on this year, like Kobe Bryant's uh, helicopter was, you know, went down this year. I, I'm thinking... That was actually this year, like, totally baffled me. Like, a, a number of those types of things that we thought, wow, that actually did take place in this year. And, and obviously, 2020 is a little bit different. You know, I think most people would like to just kind of don't let 2020 hit you on the way out. You know, don't let the door hit you on the way out as it leaves. And I don't want to remember anything from this year. But, but there really have been a number of things that have happened outside of, of just COVID this year and, and our election, the, all the, the protests about police brutality. But, you know, one, one of the things that happened on one cool night in Bethlehem, that, what, that, that there was a story that was unfolding that wasn't just the most significant story of that year, 
but it really was the, the greatest story in, in all of history, that, that it, was, it would be the most significant event that, that was to ever take place, that the God was going to leave heaven and step down into earth to become a human. He, he, he was going to take on flesh and walk among us. And, and this was the story that, that the Jewish people, they had earnestly and eagerly awaited for centuries, you know, for, in the same way that, that many kids, like, they have a hard time sleeping on Christmas Eve. Because there, there's just there's the anticipate the anticipation of what's going to take place the next morning, and, and and that same anticipation that the Israelites they had for centuries that the promise that God had made to Abraham centuries before that that uh, through through Abraham's line through his 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 lineage the entire world was was going to be blessed through him and through his ancestors, and it was about to be fulfilled in this one night that from the tribe of, a tribe of Judah. And the family line of King David, that after, after 400 years of silence, the Messiah was about to be born. And, and I've asked this question several times throughout this, this series that we have been doing, that if, if, I was, if I was the one writing the story, if I was the one orchestrating and organizing all of this, how would I have gone about it? Because I definitely would have done it a little bit differently than, than God had. You know, what, what would I have done differently in, in putting all of this together, you know, and, and so, like, to ensure that this, this story, the, the birth of the Son of God was going to have the biggest impact, you know, how, how, would, how would we have done it differently? I, I mentioned to you in the first week that, that probably I would have had the, the Messiah born to a very prominent family, probably in Jerusalem, you know, which was the, the political and, and the religious capital of, of Israel, you know, that, and, and when, the, the, when the news finally broke, that the Son of God had, had entered into the world, that God had finally fulfilled His promise, like what, what would we have done to, to ensure that this, uh, that this, this announcement had the, the greatest fanfare possible? You know, we, we would probably, you know, in our modern age, we would probably leak it to a prominent journalist. We would let the, the religious and the poli- political leaders, you know, be up to date as to, you know, what was happening, how's it going, all of this. You know, there would be a press conference, a press release. There would be wall-to-wall coverage on all of our cable news channels, and it would obviously be trending on all social media. Like, we would have wanted to try to get this out so as many people as possible knew about it. But that wasn't even close to how Jesus's, the story of Jesus' birth was announced and how, how it came about. Because there was actually a lot going on in the world at the time. When, when Jesus entered into the world, there, there was a lot that, that was going on. The, the great-nephew of Julius Caesar... His name was Octavian. He had just been crowned the new Caesar in Rome. And now, now for us, we know Octavian by the name Augustus. This was the name that the, that the Roman Senate had given to him. And he was one of the first Roman monarchs that really demanded to be worshipped. Like to, to most of the world, Caesar was God. And he, and he ruled and he acted uh, accordingly. And yet little, little did Augustus know that the census that he called would bring about the fulfillment of a prophecy in a backwater part of his, his empire called Bethlehem. Like, you would, you would think that, that the, this event, the birth of Jesus, it would have attracted a lot of attention and a lot of celebration. I mean, that, that, that's, I mean the, this long-awaited king of kings that was, you know, God literally coming down and stepping onto earth. Like, you would have thought this would have been a cause for huge 
celebration. And, and in this tiny, small little town with poverty-stricken parents born in a, in a smelly barn, like here lays the Son of God. And, and, and Caesar, like Caesar should have been there to worship Jesus, but, but he wasn't. And, and Herod, he should have been there to, to worship Jesus, but he wasn't. The, the Israelites, they, they should have been there to bow down and worship Jesus, but they weren't there either. I, all of the nations of the world, that this, this promise that had been here for, from, for centuries was finally being fulfilled, and yet, for the most part, it was forgotten. The rest of the world just went right on as it was. You know, the rest of the world was sleeping as the Messiah makes his entrance. And, and when, the, when the event that would change all of history finally is announced, finally starts, you know, making news, it comes to the people that we would least expect it to come to. And God uses the people as his messengers to be the least likely ones for us. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. The, the very first people to hear about this momentous event was a group of shepherds. Now today, shepherds are kind of like romanticized in every Christmas pageant that's out there. We see the, them on Christmas cards, and, and, and you know, like we kind of like put them in this amazing light right now. But, but in the first century, nobody, nobody thought of shepherds were worth paying attention to at all. Nobody, nobody viewed them as, as important by any, any stretch. They were not considered a, a part of polite society in all, at all. In fact, like they had to tend their, their herds and tend their flocks well outside the city limits. Like th th there was no, nobody, nobody went out of their way to, to invite shepherds to parties. Like they, they were kind of outcasts in a lot of ways. And the only reason that anybody ever really thought about or, or cared about shepherds at all was because sheep were a valuable commodity, especially around the time of Passover when, when they needed, uh, you know, many, uh, a Passover lamb, a perfect Passover lamb to be sacrificed. But other than that, most people didn't really pay any attention or, or think much about shepherds at all. And, and I find it significant and honestly quite powerful about the inclusion of shepherds in the birth of, of Jesus. Because this totally was, it was something that was completely unexpected. Because none of the shepherds that this night, none of them were prepared for this moment. And certainly none of them felt worthy to, to receive this news. You know, like, like, like everybody else in the story, the innkeeper, he wasn't expecting a knock at the door and it literally being the, the parents of the Son of God. Mary and Joseph, they, they were not expecting, nor did they feel themselves worthy to be parents of, of the Son of God. And yet here they were, these shepherds out in the field in the middle of the night, taking care of their flocks, and they are the very first ones to hear this amazing news. It, it kind of made me think uh, a number of years ago, if you remember when, when President Obama launched the raid that, that ended up killing Osama bin Laden in, in Pakistan. Like this was, this was a momentous event. Like our country had been waiting for this to, to take place, for, for Osama bin Laden finally to be brought to justice after the 9-11 attacks. And, and it, it would be like this, this incredible event. And before... Obama makes his like uh, announcement, makes his speech to the country to tell him what happened. It would be like him calling me up and giving me a private conversation, saying, "Hey, Pat, just want you to know, I can't do an Obama impression. I just want you to know, I just want you to know, hey, we we got a, a Osama bin Laden finally. And so before the rest of the country hears this, 
I wanted you to be the first to hear. And I'd be like, wow, that awesome. I appreciate you giving me a call. I didn't even know you knew my number. Um, but why in the world are you telling me this? I, I would imagine that's kind of how the shepherds felt, that they're out just minding their own business. And all of a sudden, the, the skies split open and they make this announcement about the birth of the Son of God. And, and, I, and I find that in appearing to shepherds first, Luke is kind of, he's reminding us that the kingdom of God is not just for insiders. It's not just for the well-connected. It's for the outsiders as well. Pe- people like shepherds and, and the poor classes that Mary and Joseph came from. It, it reminds us that the kingdom of God is not made up of, of just the noble and the wise and, and the well-connected, but it's made up of, of the underclass. It's made of, up of people who have no business being near royalty at all. And yet again, that's who, time and time again, God chooses and God picks. The, the inclusion of the shepherds also tells us a bit about the, what kind of Messiah that Jesus was really going to be. That he was going to be a shepherd for his people. O, over and over again, God refers to himself as, as a shepherd for Israel. In Genesis 48, Genesis 49, Jeremiah 31, Psalm 23. Like To, to shepherd in God's world is to sacrificially care for the vulnerable that, that are in your charge. And, and sh- because if you think about it, shepherds didn't drive their herds. They gently guided them. They gently led, led them. And, and you think about it, Jesus' last words to Peter, he said, I want you to feed my sheep. This, this metaphor, this idea of, of him being a shepherd. In John 10, 11, Jesus even calls himself the good shepherd. And, and I believe that one of the reasons why this announcement of the birth of Jesus had to happen in the shepherd's field uh, among those who, who lead sheep was because God was kind of, he was making an announcement. He, he was, in a way, he was saying the ruler who is to come, he's going to be different than the rulers that you've, you've been used to. Jesus is going to lead differently. He's going to lead like a shepherd. He, he, you know, he wouldn't be a Caesar who ruled through, through brute force. He wasn't going to be a Herod, you know, who governed by murder and treachery and, and, and paranoia. He wasn't going to be a Pharisee who manipulated people with rules and with guilt. No, Jesus, he was going to be a shepherd. He was going to lead and he was going to rule in a completely different way. And, and you think about it, these shepherds who were here that night, the very first ones to hear about the birth of Jesus, these were the very men who tended and took care of the lamb, the very lambs that were going to be sacrificed at Passover. That that they would they would be the first one to see the lamb who would be the final sacrifice. The the the, the lamb of God talking about Jesus. Like he wasn't just going to cover over their sins like the lambs that were sacrificed that they took care of. But that he was going to become sin to free us from, from its power. Like his cousin John the Baptist said, you know, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world over and over again. This metaphor, this idea of Jesus being a shepherd, Jesus being the Lamb of God. Like it, it is so significant that, that the very first people that, to hear about the birth of our Savior were shepherds. And we, and we, and we what, what comes next in, in Luke's writing here, in Luke's recording of what takes place. We, we've, if we've all watched the, the Charlie Brown Christmas, we've heard Linus recite, you know, from the King James over and over again th- this passage. And, and I'm going to read it to you in Luke chapter 2, verses 9 through 14. 
I'll be reading it from the NIV, though. It says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. But today, in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. Like, can can you imagine, like, put yourself in their place for just a moment. Can you imagine for a moment what this would have been like? That they're they're just out there, total darkness, total, total darkness, out there taking care of their sheep, and all of a sudden the skies open up and an angel appears. Like, can can you imagine what that sound like, that that moment that that the angel starts singing and worshiping and praising God? Like, can you imagine what that, that was like? They're not even the greatest performance on earth with, with the greatest uh, singers and musicians could possibly even compare to what it was to hear angels worshiping and praising God. Like, I, I, I can barely even imagine what that would have been like. And the plan that God had had from the very beginning, from the very moment that Adam and Eve took a bite of, of the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, God started putting in, into, into, into motion a plan of, that he was going to redeem all of, all of humankind. And that was starting to, starting to unfold right now before their very eyes. Like I can't even wrap my head around what, what it was that they were experiencing in, in this moment. And, and Luke says that they were fearful, and I, I probably would have been too. Like it scare you out of your wits, all of a sudden an angel appears to you out of nowhere, and you start hearing the songs of these angels that were singing. But I also imagine that they were overcome with a sense of, of awe and wonder as well. Like just, just like almost being in shock of just like taking it in. What is it that's happening around me right now? And, and I hope that this Christmas season, our hearts are open to that same sense of awe and wonder that they had. Like it's easy to treat Christmas traditions, it's easy to treat the, the Christmas story as kind of a ho-hum affair. You know, like we, we've, we, like I said before, we've heard Linus share this over and over. We've seen the movies We've read the stories. like we, We've heard it, some of us, for decades now. And it's easy just to kind of, it, just to blend into the background, just to become part of the noise. And sometimes we lose that wonder. But, but God visits and he reveals himself to people who are willing to see him and have that, that reverent sense of fear and awe and wonder about him. And, and I, I just want to ask myself this, and I'll ask you the same question. Like, have we stopped long enough to think and to meditate on what it is that actually took place on this night. That it's not just a, a story in a book that we pull out, you know, once a year, or decorations that we, that we pull out of our basement and set up a, a nativity. But have, do we really rem- remember what it is that actually took place uh, on this day? Like, or do we become so distracted with all of the other things that go on around us? And you think about what, what took place. What, what did the shepherds do? You know, the angel comes and they, he appears. He tells them, you know, the, the, about the birth of the Son of God. He was here. They heard the, the, them worshiping and praising God. And what, took, what takes place next? What do the shepherds do? And verses 15 and 16 says, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem 
and see this thing that has just happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Like after they kind of like pinch themselves, after they recover from, from like the, the shock of what it is that just took place, ensuring that they weren't dreaming or that they hadn't uh, had too much wine with dinner, like they, they look around and say, all right, let's go. Let's, let's do this. Like they, they believed the message that they heard and they changed the direction that they, were, that they were on. Like they were out there in the fields doing their thing, taking care of the sheep, doing their job, and all of a sudden God enters the picture and they change direction. They say, let's go. Let, let's go see this thing that the angel was talking to us about. They, they left the fields where they were and they went to go see Jesus. They, they didn't shower first. They didn't change their clothes. They didn't try to wash up. They didn't try to fix anything about themselves whatsoever before going to see Jesus. They came to him exactly as they were in that moment. And it's a temptation we often have. Like this idea of, all right, I'll come to Jesus once I get things straightened out in my own life. You know, once I get over this habit, this addiction, this life issue, well, then I'll start coming to church. Then, then I'll come to Jesus. But that's not what these shepherds did. These rough, likely illiterate, untrained shepherd boys, they came running to see the newborn king. John Calvin, he said said it this way about the shepherds. He said, Though God had at his command many honorable and distinguished witnesses, he passed by them and he chose shepherds, a people of humble rank and no account among men. And they went running. They responded to what it was that took place. And once they came and once they saw Jesus, what, did, what happened next? Like what, what, Once they had their encounter with the Son of God, what did they do? And Luke writes in verses 17 and 18, he says, When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Like the shepherds, they became the first messengers of God's miraculous saving story. And they went out and they spread the word. They, they had a story to tell. They, they literally became the world's first missionaries. The first in a long line of just otherwise ordinary, unheralded messengers of the good news of God. And you think about it, like he, this, this tradition continues today. Like God, God is on the move. He is building his church around the world. Not just here in South Bend. He's building this church around the world. And it's mostly through people who are like these shepherds. Who we're never going to know their names. We're never going to hear them. Folks that don't have, you know, a significant Twitter following. They have no official title. People that are just ordinary individuals. Ordinary people like the shepherds. But they're people who have a story to tell. They're people who, who had an encounter with Jesus. And they want to share that. With others, and, and so when I read these final two verses, it said that they spread the word about Jesus, and the people that heard their message, they were amazed. It, it, it made me think of going to my grandparents' house when I was a kid, because tip, and it would be typically around like this time of year right now, around the holidays, where we, where we'd go to our grandparents' house, and Grandpa he he'd be sitting in his chair, or or my grandma she'd be sitting at the table. And they would be telling stories about when they were younger. I, I, I don't know how many of you have memories like that, or, or maybe this still happens in, in your world, where, 
where you, you go, to, you go to, to mom and dad's house, you go to grandma and grandpa's house, and you start hearing stories about when they were younger. Maybe it was stories about when they were in the war, or, you know, like, when I bought this house, you know, we didn't have all these papers to sign. You know, we sealed the deal on a handshake, you know, or, or, or things like that. And, and, and oftentimes, like the parents, they're trying to pass on these stories to the next generation. And, and I don't know about you, but like for me, many of those stories that I remember hearing my, my grandparents tell, or even like I, I hear my mom tell them now too. Like I've heard so many of these stories over and over again. Like, have, have, have you had that experience where you've gone to your grandparents and you're, like, in your mind you're thinking, yeah, Grandpa, I heard this last year and the year before and the year, uh, you know, where, where you can probably almost, like, mouth the, the story along with them. And, and, but, and, and maybe I'm strange, but, but when I think about the shepherds that were in the field that night, that's what comes to mind to me. I, I think of these shepherd boys when they're old men. And they're sitting in the rocking chair and they have their kids and their grandkids and maybe their great-grandkids around. And they have the annual telling of, of what it was that took place on this night that Jesus was born. Like the, what happened when, when the skies opened up and they saw the angels. Like that, them trying to explain in human terms the color and, and the light and the sounds that they heard that they had never even been able to conceive of before. Like what was it like for them to pass that story on to their kids. You know, like, I, I, I imagine, you know, them talking about the angels singing and worshiping and rejoicing and them going and, and running to see Jesus and, and witnessing, you know, the, the Son of God laying in a manger and, and Mary and Joseph there. Like, I, may, I imagine them it, telling their grandkids this story. I, I, I would hope the grandkids didn't ever roll their eyes at their grandparents like I probably did a time or two. Yeah, Grandpa, we heard this before. But like, they, they, I, like I would imagine to their dying day, like they, they were telling anybody who, who'd give them a listen, hey, let me, tell you about, let me tell you about what happened to me. Let me tell you about my encounter with Jesus. Like I, I would hope that, that it would still kind of give them goosebumps and get, kind of give them chills in a way when, when they describe what it was like on that amazing night. And Luke said that they spread the news concerning what had been told them about the child, that they had a story to tell. They had an encounter with Jesus, and they wanted to make sure that people heard about it. They wanted, they wanted to share this with others. They, they had this unexpected change of course in their lives. The, the trajectory of their lives was completely altered in a moment's notice. And I would imagine everywhere they went until their dying breath, they told this story that they had about their encounter with the Savior of the world. Now, for us in the room, those who are, who are watching and joining us online, we, we might not have that same dramatic experience that the, that the shepherds had, of being able, seeing the skies opening up and hearing angels singing, seeing the Son of God in person. We, we, we've, we've not had that same dramatic experience. But every single one of us, we have a story to tell, though. I have a story to tell about what Jesus has done in my life. And all of you in this room, all of you watching, like you have a story to tell of an encounter you had with Jesus as well, that you've been, you've been saved, you've put your faith in Him, that your sins have been forgiven, that he has, he has changed the trajectory of your life as well, that you were lost and now you were found, and you were blind, but now you've been able to see. 
Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. But God is so rich in mercy, and He loved us so much that even though we were dead in our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Like, we have a story to tell about what He has done for us. About what He's done for you. Like, we've been given new life, and there are people around you that need to hear that story. You have people in your life right now who need to hear the story of what it is that Jesus has done in your life. And just like the people were amazed at what they heard when the shepherds were talking, there's people that are going to be amazed to hear, what is it that God has done in your life? How how has your encounter with Jesus dramatically changed who you are, dramatically changed the life you were living? 1 Chronicles 16.8, the author says, Give praise to the Lord, proclaim His name, make known among the nations what He has done. Like, that's a, that's a charge for every single one of us. Let's make known. What, is, what has He done for you? What, what has He done for me? Like, we all have a testimony of what Jesus has done for us. Like, what Jesus has saved us from. What, he, what He's delivered us from. Like, when we thought that we were going to lose our minds and that we could not take another step, and yet Jesus helped us walk and take that next step and to keep going. He picked us back up off the mat when we had no strength to do it ourselves. And so the question I want to leave with all of us this morning is this. What is my story? What's my story about Jesus? The shepherds had a story to tell about their encounter with Jesus. And I want to ask you, what what is your story? What's the story that you have to tell about Jesus? And who are the people around you that need to hear that story? Like, I, I, I imagine the, the shepherds running through Bethlehem, knocking on doors, sharing it with, with anybody who is willing to listen. Like, you have people in your life, you have people in your world who need to hear that story, people who need to, to hear that kind of encouragement about what it is that God did for you. And I, and I trust, and I have no doubt that they would be amazed. I, I think of the, the people I grew up with the kids I went to school with, like they would be amazed to see me standing here, pastoring a church, talking to you right now. Like that, that wouldn't, wouldn't have been on my, nor anybody else's radar screen for what God had planned for my life. And yet here I am. Like they would be amazed by it. There, there are people in your world that would be amazed to hear, what is it that God has done for you? What is your story about Jesus? Because your story is your number one. It's your most powerful ministry tool. The story of what God has done for you, it's your most powerful ministry tool. You don't don't need to have a seminary degree. You don't need to know Greek or Hebrew. You don't need to have a a theological explanation of soteriology or anything like that. Like, you have a story of God's faithfulness, of God's love, of God's forgiveness, His redemption. Your life is your testimony. Your life is your testimony. And the shepherds in our story today, they had a life-changing encounter. They had a life-changing encounter with, with the Son of God. And so have you. You had a life-changing encounter with Jesus. And so I just want to ask, how can we share that story? How can we share that story? 
God, give us eyes to see the people around us who need to hear the story of, what God, what you've done in my life. And I want to pray that same thing for you right now. If you would, just bow your heads with me, and let's pray. Father, God, we, we just want to thank you, Lord, so much for your awesome and incredible love. Lord, thank you for, for sending your Son to us. Lord, that we, we did not deserve whatsoever. But God, you had a perfect plan, Lord, literally from the, from the time Literally from the time that, that Adam and Eve took that, that first bite, Lord, you already put into motion a plan for how you could redeem all of mankind. And Lord, that, that plan is still unfolding before us today. God, we're a part of that story. God, we are a part of that story that you are still writing, even now today. And God, we just want to thank you, God, for that. And God, thank you for choosing ordinary people like, like shepherds like an innkeeper, like Mary and Joseph. Lord, that we don't have to be kings. We don't have to be, have all the degrees. We don't have to have it all together, Lord, to be used by you. God, you used ordinary, regular people like shepherds. And so, God, I, I thank you for using ordinary people like us. And, and in the same way, God, that those shepherds had a story to tell about your amazing, amazing love, what it is that you did that, that night, that silent night, God, we have a story to share as well. And God, I pray for, for all of us as a church, Lord, that you would give us eyes to see who needs to hear my story? Who, who needs to be amazed by what it is, Jesus, that you have done in my life? And God, that you would give us a holy boldness to share it. God, that we can, we can, we can share with everybody what it is that, that took place years ago, what it is you've saved us from what you've redeemed us from, Lord, what it is that you're doing in our lives now. God, help us to share our story in the same way that those shepherds shared their story for years and years to come. And people were amazed. God, I pray that you would help us to share our testimony of, of your goodness, of your faithfulness, of your awesome, incredible, amazing love. You give us a boldness, a courage to talk about you. Not to hide it away, but God, that we would, we would be willing to share that for all to hear, for all to see. And God, that you would grow and you would expand your kingdom through us. God, that's what we want. That's what we want to see. We're not here to build a church. We're here to build your kingdom. And God, I would just ask that you would use each of us to do that very thing. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you for what you did that night by stepping down on earth, being God with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're, we're going to take communion right now, so if you want to grab your communion elements, and, and as, I was, as I was praying, as I was thinking about communion this morning, I was thinking about how Christmas is often time for when families gather together. Like, you know, you get together with one side of the family or that side, you know, both sides all come together. And, and typically, like, you sit around a big table and you have a big meal together. You know, everybody's at the table except, like, the kids' table that was in the other room. How many of you guys remember sitting and eating at the kids' table? And, and now this year might be a little bit different. I, I know there's a lot of families, ours included, we're not going back to Milwaukee this year. We're going, to have a, we're going to have a Zoom Christmas this year. But around that table, 
you know, and you're gathering together with, with family, with loved ones, there's, there's usually a lot of conversation, catching up with family that, that maybe haven't seen in, in a long while, maybe reminiscing or remembering things from the past, arguing about politics, hopefully not too much of that. And when, when you read the, in the Gospels about the Last Supper, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they really don't share a whole lot about what took place at that final Passover meal that Jesus shared with his disciples. You know, other, other than him talking about this being the new covenant in his blood, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they don't talk much about that night. But in John's Gospel, like he shares an awful lot of what the table conversation was at that Last Supper. He, he washes his disciples' feet that night as, a, as an act of what it means to be a, a servant leader. He shared with them the, the famous passage about him being the vine and us the branches, that apart from him we can do nothing. It's one of my favorite teachings of Jesus. But he also shares with them that it's actually going to be a good thing that he's, that he's going to be leaving. Because then the Holy Spirit's going to come. The Holy Spirit is going to come be a part of, of our lives. And, if, and if, he, if he didn't leave, the Holy Spirit would never be able to come. And what looked like was going to be a terrible thing of, of Jesus being arrested and Jesus being murdered, Jesus said, no, this is actually a good thing. This is actually going to be a blessing. And that's the business that Jesus is in. That's the, that's the business that God is in. He takes the things that look hopeless. He takes the things that look terrible and he turns them into something good. He turns them into something beautiful. You guys have all heard this the verse, you know, he, he works all things out for good. To those who love him are called according to his purpose. And so this morning, I just want to encourage you that no matter what it is that you're dealing with, no matter what it is that you're going through, I want you to remember that he takes your ashes and he makes something beautiful out of, out of them. He turns our, our mourning into dancing. And so what you're dealing with right now, the body and the blood that we share together right now, this moment, it's a sign. God's not done yet. He's still got great things in store. So if you would, let's enjoy the bread together right now. Thank you, Lord. God, thank you for your body that was broken for us. And let's take the juice together as well. Lord, thank you for your blood. God, thank you that you make all things new that you do exchange beauty for ashes and you take our mourning and you turn it into dancing. God, that, that horrific thing that took place just a few hours after you celebrated that Passover meal was going to be the greatest, the greatest event in history. You coming back to life, your Holy Spirit coming, your church exploding. God, you take the things that look all hopeless and awful and turn them into something good. We want to thank you, God, for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand and let's worship together one more time.